Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And of course we're being kept in line by Blue the Badass Dog, who's here with us <laughs> yes. this week as well. Uh, Emma, welcome back. Hi, I've missed your faces. Hey, Mama. Hi. You. I've got that slight, like, you know when you go away and you have to go back to work and you're like, can I do my job? Yeah, so I've no, got my well, slight back to work angst. No, but it's only talking, right? I can do that. Pull yourself together. <laughs> we need you to. We need you to focus. <laughs> uh, so we are here with you guys for the next hour, talking about stuff that's caught our attention in the news, interviewing a negotiation coach to try and work out how we negotiate better, and of course answering your problems and our badass balls up. Talking about an amazing woman from history and generally having a lovely time. Uh, so starting off, we're talking about news stories that have grabbed our attention this week, and. We're starting with the open letter written by, or signed by, 100 French women, including Catherine Deneuve, the actress Catherine Deneuve, the author Catherine Millet, lots of women called Catherine, um, (laughs) basically saying that the Me Too campaign has gone too far, it has become a, quote, puritanical, and that we need to defend the right of men to hit on women. (laughs) Now, do we need to defend it? We don't need to defend the right of, of men to hit on women. What I thought was interesting about the letter, and I, you know, I always welcome a woman's right to reply, was that it showed that there is a generational, so an, an, in terms of age, but also cultural nuance to the Me Too movement. And it's important to understand that women feel differently about this. I think that... Um, the point that was made around this, you know, this is the price women pay for sexual freedom. It's an interesting topic and point of discussion. And I I don't want, I saw some tweets that sort of shut the whole thing down Mm -hmm. and were very abusive. And I think that's the wrong approach. What we need to do is understand, well, what is our messaging? You know, is is there even an opportunity for women to come up with what a consistent message of how we want to be, wanted, want to be treated in the, in the world? You know, what could that message be? Um, I obviously don't agree with it at all 
So the thing that really struck me that was interesting for me was when they talked about um, that this is a way women use their sexual power. And by not allowing men to hit on us, then we can't use our sexual power. That to me feels really weird because it feels like you're defining women's sexual power in terms of men. Mm. Emma, do you agree? Yeah, and it's like it's kind of a weird sexual power, right? So what you're saying is, if you don't let men hit on you, you can't influence and persuade somebody. Like, is that the only way? Is that what you know? Yeah, like, it's weird, isn't and it? And it's like we have an we have a phenomenal amount of sexual power. That doesn't mean we have to allow guys to act inappropriately with us does it and i think also as nat said there's something about that generational thing where you know, if i look at my mum's generation my mum absolutely totally thinks that that's just part of life it's part of life and actually you're missing out on something if you don't allow it and that's what the workplace is and i've seen other women of her age actually turn around saying oh thank god somebody's calling this out and it's not going to happen again but i do feel it's a younger woman thing not no. but no cultural difference as well so i think it would be interesting to and and women of a younger age but in in different places to understand well, what do they think about me too potentially it could be a very western way of of thinking about um the the power dynamic and as you were talking about sexual power i was thinking men also play a sexual power game with each other so we need to actually it's brought up a lot of conversation around well, what is that dynamic i was talking to someone the other day and i was like i walked into this meeting and automatically all of these guys put their penises on the table <laughs> and that was the kind of power play dynamic in the room and it was that Hopefully was the not literally <laughs> not literally because although was, i want to be in that meeting if it was <laughs> everyone would have been going to court but it, it was it you know what's that tension what's that power so we do use it um and i, I welcome a, a vigorous debate around around me too and what it means yeah. and how we drive it forward in a way that's useful for all women okay what do you think about it do tweet us and tell us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour me too what does it mean for you do you mm. think it is actually about reclaiming our own power our own space or has it gone too far are we calling out people who actually have just made a bit of a clumsy pass and it's not their fault and how do we have a bigger conversation around it that's what i think is interesting how do we get more men to talk about it how do we get to a point where we can actually define the parameters of it do tweet us and let us know what you think we'd love to hear from you um emma what story has caught your attention this week well this is a story can fail to get your attention i spent quite a lot of christmas and new year being offline and this just flooded like social media and that was oprah's speech at the golden globes this week which was i don't know i mean i'm sure you felt the same but to me it was a real it was a real defining moment of like this is the beginning of total change. There is no going back now. This is not a trend. And she's she had a phenomenal speech. And if you um if you want to have if you haven't heard it, we've got a little clip here for you now. So I want tonight to express gratitude to all the women who have endured years of abuse and assault because they, like my mother, had children to feed and bills to pay and dreams to pursue. For too long, women have not been heard or believed if they dared to speak their truth to the power of those men. But their time is up. So just thinking about that and about what she said about kind of women reclaiming their rights and time's up, that it's no longer about our inability to speak truth to men. I, d- I have to say... I feel like she's slightly optimistic. I love Oprah, but I'm just, I'm worried. I'm worried that she's optimistic, Mm. that the time is not up. Nat, what do you think? 
Well, no, she's Oprah. So the reality is every room that she's walking into, time will be up. She'll be calling the shots in her own way. My thing was more, um, I was a bit like, you know, is this just people being woke to Oprah? Uh, I sort of, obviously, I think she's amazing. I think everything that she said is brilliant. But Oprah has been talking about sexual abuse and women not having the power and the platforms they deserve since the beginning of her, her career. And I was almost a bit like, seriously, are you only now sharing Oprah quotes? Is it is it Oprah woke or is it just that actually the whole world is shifting to be more woke? Because I always feel like Oprah's been around for a long, long time. She's always been there kind of stealth under the radar. So kind of mainstream, but not mainstream. I don't remember. No, no, she is. She's like, so she's a I'm... founding woman of, for me, of, of reportage and daytime TV and empowerment and knowing who you are. I think she definitely is in the States. I feel like I know who she is and I really embrace her and I love her, but I don't think I've seen that much of her TV. So I know her through her films, her writing, um, her books, her speeches, but I haven't really seen her TV. And I think what the Golden Globes gave was a platform a platform that everybody was watching across the world at that particular moment in time. Well, I definitely think if, if a magazine editor now is going to be faced with, you know, who is the face of uh, feminism and, and, and uprising, and they have Emma Watson or Oprah Winfrey, I hope, and I think they will, they'll now choose Oprah Winfrey. Oh, and yeah. I'm She'd happy about that. Oprah. Her, just her history of, you know, the, she's been having the conversations that are now becoming mainstream And she's been years. very, very public yeah. with her own story yeah. of abuse and, and rape. And I think, therefore, having that lived experience and supporting women before this was even topical, that for me is really important. We love Oprah. We, do. we love her. Um, Oprah, if you're listening, come on the show sometime. Can <laughs> you imagine? What a dream. What a dream. It would be the dream <laughs> um, did I ever tell you that I had Oprah on my vision board for like two years really? where it was like that was my dream was to interview Oprah again this got year. to put it back on, put it back on. <laughs> uh, so our final story this week Nat what is it our final story shock horror <laughs> I mean the stats so this comes from the Office of National Statistics and they say men enjoy five hours more leisure time than women each week Five hours. Five yeah, hours. They've they got do. five hours more in their week. Of course they do. And I thought it was interesting. And it's ultimately, um, while me- it says, while men are busy enjoying themselves, the data suggests that women are losing five hours because we're picking up the brunt of unpaid work, such as household chores and childcare. And you break <laughs> it down, but actually in a quite a, a funny way. So what's the thing that, that we do? Emma, well, tell I, us. I was like, of course they have five hours more leisure time because as women, and I've really noticed this in terms of when it comes to childcare, through my own experience, through export, Boyfriends that had kids and my friends that had kids. You know, if you're going out for the day with children, as a woman, you'll be like, right, what is what are we doing today? What do the kids need? I don't want them to eat crap food. I'll take a packed lunch. They might need a snack. They'll need entertainment. We'll be like, you think through the day and you think about all the consequences and you prep for that. A guy walks out the door, right? We're going out. Come on, let's go, kids. And then... Uh, oh the kids are hungry oh okay well that's fine there's a McDonald's there we'll just go there so they just and I think we can learn a lot from that to be honest because I think we probably over plan for the day but re- remove the kids We, you know brunch with your girlfriends if you send a WhatsApp group brunch with your girlfriends there's 20 messages 20 questions you might walk into three different places before you settle guys we're meeting at the pub the same pub we've met in for the last 10 years that's it they've that's removed so all form of brain tax and, and, and use yeah they're just they're, I just feel like men this isn't a criticism it's like that I just feel they're much more action what needs to be done at that moment and we'll just deal with it and I think well, I think we overthink it 
So I think we do overthink it, but I think we've been trained to overthink it because we've gone, okay, this is our role to hold all of this together. So we can't have, you know, if we're going taking the kids to the beach for the day, we can't not have a change of clothes because they're probably going to run in the sea in their clothes and we're going to need some new ones. So we've thought about it and men have just never had to think about it because they're busy having their leisure time. (laughs) They're busy chilling out on the golf course or whatever it is they're doing. I do think we should channel our inner men a bit more and just go, do you really need to do that level of planning or thinking? Like, can we just be a little bit more like yeah you think about that until the day? you've gone out for the day you don't have an umbrella you're hungry there's no <laughs> snacks in your bag <laughs> you've got a child with sunburn or something yeah yeah okay. so we could try it see how it goes let us know <laughs> try thinking like a man for the weekend and see how much trouble you get yourself into <laughs> <laughs> you can tweet us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour and let us know um i'm not sure it's going to work but emma thinks it could <laughs> we'll find emma the optimist. out i'm like oprah we'll i am. find out <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a little break but coming up after the break we have the amazing Nicole Soames who's going to be talking to us about negotiation how to do it what to say what to ask for how to get more because we love more (laughs) Uh, so we will be talking to her right after this break now across the UK online and on DAB (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we are also joined by Nicole Soames. Hi, Nicole. Hello. Oh, it's a lovely welcome. (laughs) We do our best. So, Nicole is a negotiation coach. She's an author. She is an EQ practitioner. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. She owns her own coaching company. She does a lot of stuff, Nicole. A lot of things. So, tell us what we mean when we say a negotiation coach what is that about so negotiation is a communication skill and it's a very underutilized skill in everyday life and as a coach what I try and do is help people acquire that skill so they can use it every day to help them get better outcomes get more as you were saying before (laughs) so when I think about negotiation I always think about it in terms of money that's what I think I'm going for negotiating but you say we do it every single day Mm. can you give us some examples of other places we negotiate so if somebody is asking you to do something for you Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it could relate back to the conversation about the five extra hours that men have (laughs) um, you know you should be yes definitely considering doing it for them but you should also think about what you're going to get back in return otherwise if you keep giving stuff to people eventually you might feel like a mug (laughs) so you can do it every day you can do it with your friends and family um, but most people only think to negotiate when there's money involved you negotiate time and space beyond money like everything is negotiation right everything is everything is a negotiation everything is negotiable um, what are your what are the biggest mistakes people make when negotiating? Oh sure. Where do I start? So I, I think that fundamentally the mistakes people make they don't know it's a negotiation opportunity, it's a negotiation situation. So they kind of lack awareness and they don't think to negotiate. So I think that's one big issue people face. I think a lot of people, and sometimes this is more prevalent in women. Sometimes they don't have the confidence to negotiate, um, so they put themselves on the back foot, so they sort of shy away from the situation. They'll they'll say to themselves, oh, they're never going to say yes, so what's the point in asking? So they they sort of have a battle with their heads, if you like. So that's one another issue. And then 
when it comes to the actual conversation, people aren't prepared for it. So they think out loud and they wiffly waffly meander around the money part because they don't really want to say anything and they're worried about the relationship and upsetting it. And I think those are fundamentally the things that people get wrong so the rookie mistake to a, a scenario so i you know it's january lots of people are thinking about new jobs and changing career so you might want to walk into your boss uh, on monday morning and say look i either want more money i want to work from home one day a week i want to drop down to four days a week given what you said mm. what's one thing that someone can do to get themselves ready to have that conversation well, the first thing that you need to do is you need to, before you enter the negotiation, you need to have influenced them first that this is a really good idea. So before you enter that part, you need to have set yourself up for success. And if it is about going down to four days a week, you need to make sure that it's going to make sense that you go down to four days a week. Otherwise, you'll back yourself into a corner before you've even started. Mm. So preparation is everything in negotiation. So is it about thinking not just what your side of the argument is, but also what their yes. side of the argument is absolutely right so again that's another rookie mistake people make they think only about themselves in the situation and if you think if you accept the fact that negotiation is a communication skill and it's about finding an overlap in positions you fundamentally have to think about the other person and that's why i bring eq emotional intelligence into the context of how you negotiate because fundamentally that's about understanding the other person's position so if you march into your boss's office on a monday morning and you're not doing that good a job and you say right i'm here to negotiate a pay rise or a change in working conditions you might end up might end up worse off if you haven't thought about the context and the situation from their perspective so when we talk about eq it gets banded around a lot at the moment yes. it's very on trend yep. what does it actually mean and how do we develop it so you're so right. It is very banded around these <laughs> days. And it's very, I think it's a very ethereal topic. It's mm -hmm. it's often, so it's often thought about in the context of a soft skill. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of that mm -hmm. expression yeah. before. Ironically, it's much harder <laughs> to learn, <laughs> but it is a skill and you can learn it. But you've got to understand what it is first. But there's nothing soft about EQ. It's actually quite hard to acquire and apply every day. But fundamentally, it's a set of social skills and emotional skills that help you better influence others. Like reading a room. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Like empathising, um, like understanding things from the other person's point of view, like building a relationship. A massively important part of EQ in the context of, of negotiating is awareness. You need to be aware of how you feel about the negotiation, be aware of the situation. There's loads of complexity to it. Um, and very often when people negotiate, the big part of EQ that they don't think about is self is the self-management aspect of mm. EQ. So that's your self-confidence that's your self-reliance and really importantly your self-control i must find it really fascinating i you know in the, i've had my business five years now and what i've realized is whenever you talk about business it's all about the finance the facts it's all you know you need to talk about consumers but 
everyone seems to forget that fundamentally businesses mm. only exist because of people and they're only Absolutely. successful mm. because of people Absolutely. and do, are you noticing that more companies especially in the era where things are starting to shift a bit more when we talk about robots do you feel like emotional uh, um, intelligence is going to have like its moment now rather than being this like oh it's a soft skill and it's like uh, we won't pay too much attention are you I massively believe that its relevance is just accelerating and its importance is is getting right up there um, but you cannot avoid the basic skills that you need to have you have to it's like a multiplier you have to have the commercial acumen and the technical expertise in whatever it is you're doing but you also have to have equal amounts of emotional intelligence and understand fundamentally business is about people They're everything we do is done via people and so it's disproportionately important mm. and i think it's getting more and more important with the age of digital and um, artificial intelligence and you either accept that and get on with learning how to do it and apply it every day and i think that's one of the challenges with eq people go oh well it's you know, you can't, you either have it or you don't. Yeah. You can apply it every day if you know how. But there's that. a downside to this as well. So people with high uh, EQ, so I'm thinking it's, you know, some leaders, actually it can verge into narcissism or manipulation. Um, and so is it not also knowing how to use your EQ well for good versus using it to control people? Well, if you're using it to control people, I don't think it's EQ. <laughs> actually, it's gone the other way. Um, <laughs> so... I, I think people are challenged. It depends where your confidence is rooted. Um, I think that people whose confidence is rooted in EQ and relationships and they find that stuff disp disproportionately important, they may be wired for people is a good way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. They tend to find the technical stuff harder. Um, so they're disproportionately reliant on, the re on their relationships and that's not good. Um, equally, the people that are disproportionately intelligent and very good at what they do tend to struggle more with the the emotion you need both unfortunately you need both and actually for the people that are tipping into manipulation they need to understand the impact their behaviors is having on others well, i was reading some books about psychopaths and leadership and i always find it quite <laughs> yes. funny you, you can look at leaders and you're like yeah on the spectrum of psychopath there yes. and I, you know thinking about people that are negotiating you need to understand who's on the other side of the table yes so if someone presents like they have a high eq and that they care about people but actually they're a master manipulator mm. and they're actually a psychopath that there's there's merit in understanding and knowing that before you sit before you sit in front of them to start putting your bid on the table absolutely right and that's why you really someone really needs to have influenced somebody before you get onto the context uh, the, the negotiation part and that's that's really interesting topic because negotiation is actually therefore a buying signal mm. just before we finish i just wanted to ask you quickly nicole i get a lot of people asking me or telling me when i go into a negotiation situation and somebody says no or they're difficult i find myself welling up and i think i'm going to cry i'm not sad I'm not but they're just tears of anger and frustration mm. how do we control that preparation Yep. You need to really think about the scenario you're facing into. You need to think about what you're going to be asking for. So you may be just receiving their ask and not thinking about, well, hang on, what's my ask? 
Um, and also the big thing that people don't prepare for a negotiation is what's the gameplay aspect that's going to come at me from the other side. And if you can figure that stuff out, which maybe is the manipulation and narcissism you were talking about, if you can figure out, right, well, I'm going to negotiate with this person. These are the challenges or the gameplay or the curveballs they're going to throw me. If you can think about them ahead and think, hang on a second, I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to respond. You will feel so much better about it and go into the negotiation conversation feeling like, you know, you're on an equal playing field with them as opposed mm-hmm. to a master servant and you're on the back foot. So that stuff might help Fabulous. you. Great mm-hmm. advice there. So Nicole is going to stay with us uh, because we are obviously going to do our badass balls ups after this break. So Nicole's going to hang around, I think. Yes. Thank you. And Delighted. give a bit of her wisdom on those. Um, as of our badass balls ups, your problems are answers. It's the best part of the show, <laughs> I think. I've missed these. So do always send them to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials at Badass Women's Hour. Um, if you want to know what we've got next, and there are some goodies, you're going to have to stay tuned for this break across the uk online and on dab <laughs> badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minton. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and, of course, Blue the Badass Dog. <laughs> and this week in the studio, we also have Nicole Soames, negotiation coach. Thanks so much for joining Woo-hoo! us, Nicole. Thank you. So it's that time of the show where we use our wisdom to help you. Yeah, we like to give back. We give we're back We're a year wiser point. now as well. We like, are. We've learned so much yeah, in the past year. Yeah. And we're just going to put all of that into you. Um, as ever, if you've got questions or queries or if you want something to help, you can need a little help with, do always tweet us at Badass Women's Hour. Let us know. We love to help. And our first question comes from Twitter. Emma has it. What is it? Yes, it's from Michaela. She says, I've been working at the same company for three years. Last January, I asked for a raise and managed to get a tiny one, but nothing major. I know I've brought a lot to the company, so I'm planning on asking another re- for another raise this month. How can I negotiate better this time? Uh, Nicole, mm. I think we're going to go. Is that Perfect. one for me? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I thought I was going to avoid it. <laughs> um, so what you need to do is really plan for that conversation. So first of all, you need to get all of your inner gremlins out. Forget what happened last time. This is a brand new year. You've had mm-hmm. a whole year, hopefully, of delivering really great results for, for your company. Um, so you need to really put yourself on the front foot and remind yourself of all those great things. And then use that to help you think about and ask for what is an appropriate rise that you should get. Um, And once you've got that in your head, then just nudge that number up a little bit so that it's it's the highest believable position that's got credibility because you don't want to ask for too much because if you ask for too much you might get laughed out the door and you still have to have a relationship with your with your manager so, so how do we know that number though because you, you hear all these things about you should ask for 10 percent. no company gives you more than 20 percent. you should ask for you know 10 times what you had last time how do you actually know what you should be asking for do you wait for them to say or what's the best way well in a in a situation where you're already working for the company it's not a one-off scenario so really in that type of situation you shouldn't wait for them to say something you need to say something yourself and you have to just use judgment you have to judge what is an appropriate 
be you have to go what's the top end of my happy zone and then what's a number ahead of that that's got credibility so i'm not going to get laughed out the door so if you know in your company that no one has ever got more whether in that pay grade they've never got more than 10 percent. it wouldn't be credible to ask for that amount unless you really had done something significant so you've got to just use judgment and there's no right or wrong um, and also you've got to do your own preparation don't ask somebody else if you ask somebody else to go yeah I asked for 20% and I got it it might have been in a completely different context so you need to do your own thinking and your own preparation mm-hmm. nice now what do you do when you're negotiating for a pay rise well no I was thinking um, so Michaela a couple of questions for you to think about what is it that you're actually asking for is it a pay rise or do you want a different job are you also thinking about a promotion um, have you taken on more work over the last year that you haven't been paid for all of these things I think you need to think about as opposed to just focusing on the money because if actually what you want is a step up in the company then how much you're asking for and how you negotiate is is different so maybe sit down with a pen and paper and think what is it that you really want and what is it you want for the rest of the year in 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 this current organization and go from there and I would also say building on that If you're going to be asking for more stuff, you need to think about how you're going to pitch that Mm. and what you can offer back in return. So if you are asking for more money, say I'm prepared to help more people in the team or I'm going to stay for extra hours, work extra hours or something, you've got to offer something back in return so there can be an overlap in positions. Yeah, I think you're you're never told to to consider what your business impact is. And I think when you can have those conversations, because that's what people are looking for, right? Mm. You know, you'll pay people a significant amount if they're bringing that and more value to the company so and it needs to be over and above what you're expected to do right now otherwise it's not credible yeah although if you're going to go over and above also think in your head about what you're not going to do because we don't want to be working 80 hours a week (laughs) believe highest believable (laughs) uh so our second question i've got this one it comes from michelle on instagram and she says i'm a black woman who works in the city The world of finance is mostly dominated by men and when there are women, they're often white, so it's hard for me to work my way to a good, respected job. To do this, I always thought I had to seem more, in quotes, Western in a way, and I always wore wigs or straightened my hair. I want to go back to my afro now, but I'm afraid it might mean I'll be taken less seriously. What do I do? Mm. Now we're going to go with you with a personal experience. (laughs) Release your hair. Do what works for you. If if you know if you get odd looks or people try and touch your hair or they tell you it's unprofessional, it's not a place that you fundamentally want to work. Um, I have shaved head, or the sides of my head are shaved. I've been absolutely bald and bald with it red, and I've been through a weave phase. You have to do what, what works for you fundamentally. I do get that in a corporate environment, a straightened look is deemed more professional but things are changing and I think more and more you're seeing it in mainstream media that they're covering curly hair they're covering afro hair and Viola Davis wore her hair um, in an afro for the Golden Globes and it was amazing to see her do that because she typically goes for that straightened weaved look too so embrace it 
Rocket. Yeah, you've got to start a revolution, I think, haven't you? Because I just think as human beings, you all like morph into the same thing. And certain industries, everyone does look and act a certain way mm. because that's just everyone's entered that world and gone, oh, well, everyone's doing that, so I'll do it. So I think there's, you know, if you can be a bit badass about it and just own your own style. I be think authentically really you, definitely yeah. be yeah. authentically but you. recognise what you will get. So I walk into meetings now and there's it happens. So people will look at my neck and they, they see a tattoo on my neck and then they'll look at my hand and then they'll look at my hair and so you'll get these perplexed look of people trying to figure out who are you what do you do and what's your role in that room once you get over that you're fine do you think you have to work harder though if you're if you're lower down in your career and trying to establish yourself do you feel that if we're too too expressive as, as ourselves there's something we can get away with when you've been doing your career for a long time but in those early days like when people really have to work hard to try and work you, you know if you're trying to have gravitas in the room and they're already judging you by your tattoos and your hair do you think that could hinder you in your career progression? I think it's a decision years? everyone has to make for themselves. Mm. Do you want to get, you know, do you want to work in an organisation where you have to conform or do you want to be authentically you? Um, and there's a spectrum of that in between. So that's a decision that only she can make. Mm. And I think also there's something for me about actually owning a bit of that power and saying, if I feel at my most comfortable like this, mm. if this time I feel at my most comfortable, if this is how I feel, you know, actually my most myself you're going to be doing a better job yes because like the little part of your brain which is going oh i need to think about this thing to make sure i'm okay you can then focus that on the work you're supposed to be doing yeah and actually i think people they just kind of get used to it mm-hmm. people get used to things a lot quicker than we give them credit for yeah. and people buy people so if you're mm-hmm. authentically you and you're comfortable in your own skin then people will buy into what you're saying more mm-hmm. if you're trying to be somebody that you're not it will be evident so be authentically you yeah brilliant uh michelle send us a pic put a pic on instagram so yeah. we can see it we want to see now what is our final question this week um, so this one comes from Lynn on Twitter and I, I can resonate with the first line. Um, with the new year, I promised myself I would date again. Mm. How's it going? Yeah. I had a very bad breakup three years ago, after which I went into severe depression, fell out with a few friends, lost and gained weight. And now I really miss having a partner, but I'm also afraid to be hurt again and fall back into that horrible loop. Any suggestions on how to start dating again after hiatus of three years? Emma, you're a little dating guru. What do you think? I can kind of relate to this because I had a really awful breakup about four years ago and I came out of that very very much with a sense of I, I kind of knew that this would affect could affect my future relationships in terms of the mistrust and that fear mm. that fear of being hurt again and I think I just made a decision that I wasn't going to allow somebody to make me feel fearful about being in love again and I think that just came from me just trying to change that narrative in my head and now I, I am absolutely fearless about being in love I'm not afraid to have my heart broken because I totally recovered from that ex yeah. so you kind of there's a way that that actually if she starts to look at it and go actually after three years of breakup you survived it you're doing fine mm-hmm. you kind of you that I remember someone saying to me when I just broke up so that person's just going to become an ex one day yeah. and they totally have and you're fine so I'm like well bring it on break my heart you can try <laughs> but um yeah you're not gonna so it's a you have to make a decision not to be fearful I mm-hmm. think that's what's worked for me anyway I think that's great advice yeah. I think there's also something about knowing like why was this so traumatic for you so I remember when I broke up with the person that broke my heart and it was awful and a friend of mine saying but why is this so traumatic like what is in this and it actually took me a lot of thinking and time and therapy and all the other things to work out what that was. But then when you work it out, you can be like, oh, well, actually, that's not that big a deal. So I can let that go. Mm. Um, my second thing I would say is look for the evidence. So actually, 
start dating, start going on a few dates, start talking to some people online, start meeting some people and say, actually, what's happening here? Did I have a nice time? Did they do something that flagged for me beforehand? And then it, you know, was that true in person? Look for the evidence, keep a little diary and you'll start to see patterns and themes and then you'll feel more in control. Mm. And so you'll feel more confident in it. Nicole. I, I, I was just reflecting what you guys were saying and, and I, I believe most people don't want to be mean to other people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to go out dating again, most people will be wanting to date and have a nice time themselves. So if you, ex- you like you were saying, look for the evidence, don't select and only look for the bad stuff. Mm. Um, most people are decent human beings and they will want to have a nice time with you and have a nice relationship with you and if it doesn't if it doesn't work it doesn't work now what do you think uh so i had a, a meeting with a spiritualist oh <laughs> hello yeah. and she said you know you will find him when you're doing the thing that you enjoy and the thing that you love so i'm gonna say lynn avoid the apps and the a contrived way of trying to find that person because there's a whole anxiety that's related to that and secondly if you do get into that relationship be a good friend. I noted the point in your your thing about, you know, you fell out with a few friends. Your friends are a bedrock when things potentially go wrong in a relationship. So be a be a good friend and focus on that too, because there's so much value in that. Very good advice. Yeah. Great advice. Hopefully that was helpful. Let us know. I, and we'd love to hear from you if we read your problem out and it has been helpful or it hasn't. Either way, you can hey, tell us. Hey, we can take always feedback. Helpful. Mega helpful. I mean I think it's always helpful, but you know. <laughs> Um, do tweet us let us know at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour we're going to say a big thank you and goodbye to Nicole Nicole thanks so much for coming in thank you if people want to hear more from you where can they learn more tell us about the book where can they find you all that jazz so the book is in WH Smith's you'll see it in their travel retail it's called The Negotiation Book and it's a really commuter size easy to read very practical um, everyday advice so you can find it on Amazon, you can find it in WH Smith's um, and in all good bookstores. Mm, um, sometimes you might find it in the self-help section as opposed to the business section. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Um, What's your handle on Twitter? What's my angle? Handle. 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 <laughs> <laughs> What's my angle? Helping people. Um, at Nicole Diadem. Fabulous. Uh, we are not quite finished with you yet, though. We've got a whole other section coming up when we talk about our backdated badass, our woman from history. Um, so stay tuned for that because it's coming up after this break. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we're coming towards the end of our show. It's the final section. And if you've listened before, then you know in our final section we like to get educational. We like to bring you into the realm of a woman you might not know about but who has changed the course of history. Uh, this is, of course, our backdated badass and this week's is brought to us by Sally Nichols, author of numerous books, including things a bright girl can do hi sally hello thanks so much for coming and talking to us today uh who is your backdated badass uh, i'm going to talk about elizabeth anderson who's the first um british woman to uh qualify as a doctor the first british woman to qualify as a doctor and when was this and how did she do it <laughs> well this was um oh mid to late 19 i think it was like the 1860s something like that um and she had great trouble doing it um she she tried she applied to lots of medical schools and they all turned her down because she was a woman um so she got private tuition she worked as a nurse um which gave her access to um to sort of dissecting rooms and things like that and she eventually qualified through the um, society of apocryphies um who had who immediately changed their rules after she'd after she'd qualified um to say that they wouldn't they wouldn't let women sit the exams um but because because of a loophole in their laws they couldn't they couldn't refuse her so there were already there were already um american uh women women doctors but she was the first british so, um, sorry, sorry, it's just a little slightly fuzzy line. So I'm just going to clarify. She actually qualified through the Society of Apothecaries, who then yeah. tried to change their rules. They did change their rules. They um, did. <laughs> they did. Yeah, as soon as she, because the um, a lot of the, the universities had said, oh no, we won't. A lot of the universities wouldn't give degrees to women. Um, I think I think you couldn't get a degree as a woman at Cambridge until the 1940s. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, the apothecaries had to let us sit the exam, but they immediately changed their constitution so that women couldn't couldn't do so. Amazing. Um, once she'd qualified, how was she treated? Did people you know, did people go to her? What happened? It, it took a bit of it took a bit of a while. Um, she set up her own practice, um, and at first she struggled a bit to get clients. Um, but then there was a cholera epidemic, and people needed doctors, so she got a lot of lot of um, lots of clients that um she also she said when the first world war happened um she set up a woman's hospital um treating soldiers she set up she was um set up the first the first women by that time there were more there had been more women qualified as as doctors it took it took a while um but i mean interestingly she had to fight the government to be allowed to do that um the government uh, said, oh, you know, we've been, you know, oh, lots of, I mean, this, this wasn't just true of doctors, you know, you hear all these stories about, oh, women driving, driving, um, uh, omnibuses and women, women, um, 
winning telephone exchanges and things in the First World War, but when the First World War was initially declared, the, the, the government was very snooty about this. They sort of went, oh, no, we don't need any women doctors. We'll be, we'll be quite all right. And then <laughs> it actually took, another, I think it was 19, 1915, before they kind wow. of went, oh, actually, maybe we made doctors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these, all, all these corpses. So she was the first, yeah, she was the first woman... Um, to to set up, she set up the first women's hospital um, in Britain. Amazing. Also, I mean, also that she was the first first woman mayor in um, in Britain, first female magistrate. Wow. Um, yeah. Again, another polymath. We've, uh, <laughs> we've been a lot of the women that we cover seem to be, and maybe it's a, by nature of the fact that they're breaking down so many bar- barriers. They're polymaths, so you know, a doctor, but also a politician that becomes yeah. mayor. Be- the fight to to change things and make things better it just seems ongoing and endless. And I think one of the things that really stands out for me, well, the thing I, like, does the Society of Apothecary still exist? Because I want to be a member. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just whatever it is, I want it. Please, please. <laughs> am I allowed now? And does it still exist? Because it sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. It does. It does, doesn't it? Um, um, and she was heavily involved in politics and the political movement. That's right. Yes, yes, she was. Uh, there, I mean, there is one of one of the reasons I wanted to talk to her about today. We did a when I was uh, as part of, as part of. Um, a part of the, the publicity around my book, um, Things Bright Girl Can Do, we uh, we went and did a tour of, of Parliament, a suffragette tour of Parliament, and they told she she and um, Emily Davies um, basically started the suffrage movement. They they took this petition in um, to present to John Stuart Mill, um, which was was like a thousand one thousand five hundred women who'd said, wow. you know, we think women we think women should have the vote. And if you've ever been the Parliament. It's this. It's this incredibly male place. I mean, it's all these statues of men and statues and, and, and pictures of women. And they were these two young women who they, they ended up hiding the petition. This, 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 they had to, they hid the petition under under an apple seller's cart because they were they were <laughs> sort of really nervous of being seen as women in this this very male place. Um, and that was that was 1866, and wow. Elizabeth Garrett died in 1917. Um, so she didn't she didn't quite see the vote. She didn't see the vote passed by the House of Lords, but she lived to see it pass. No, she saw it. She saw it passed by the Houses of Parliament, but not the Houses of of, of Lords. So that was, I mean, that was 70 years later. Okay. You know, to, to, so I, I just think that's that's incredible to have been at the start of this movement and then for it to sort of take 70 years <laughs> before before that that um that, that took off and then wow. davis was was remarkable as well she um she set up girton college which was the first women's college we're gonna come Cambridge. back and ask you more yeah. about that another time because i'm <laughs> sorry it's a bit short on time no, but um, sally thank you so much for joining us it's sally nichols author of things a bright girl can do talking about elizabeth garrett the first woman to qualify as a physician and surgeon mm. in the uk fascinating really fascinating and i love the fact that she's like okay if you're not gonna let me into the medical schools i'm just gonna find the loophole yeah and qualify that way instead yeah, yeah what love i love it. too is when you look into these stories it was her father who uh, at the time it wasn't women weren't allowed an education but it was her father that homeschooled her so i really love when you hear these stories about these women that have just been given this great start in life to really challenge the status quo yeah. can we also talk about blue snoring yes yeah, so apologies for that because <laughs> it wasn't us snoring <laughs> that it wasn't us blue clearly does not appreciate <laughs> what elizabeth garrett did for women 
and for Blue's own freedom, but never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So we're coming towards the end of the show, and as ever, we like to leave you with a little something for the week ahead. I think this might be the last time we do it in this exact format. It is, of Mm. course, our badass principle of the week. Two words, all the wisdom. Natalie Campbell, what is it this week? (laughs) The badass principle this week is get more, and it's connected to our negotiation uh, guest, but also the Me Too conversations, our conversations about Oprah, you know, 2018, get more. Ask for more, negotiate, push, go harder, get exactly what you want. Yeah. Emma, what more are you going to be asking for in 2018? Yeah, I'm right with Nat on this because I think as well, when um, Nicole was talking about negotiation, I just had flashbacks of all the like pay negotiations that I was in and I totally undersold myself and negotiated so badly and mm-hmm. missed out on so much money. And 2018 definitely for me is like, yeah, definitely get more. Like, yeah. I um, I think we can really like focus in on money when we talk about more. We can really think it's just about money. But for me, get more this year is definitely about more time, more space, mm. and more of those moments when you're kind of walking along. You think, oh, this is a really beautiful moment. Mm. I need to appreciate it right here, right now. More of those. That's what I want. So wise. Maybe negotiate with yourself to have more time. As in, I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm saying to people at home, negotiate with yourself to give yourself that time and space. I need Get to more do from that. Yourself. I need yeah. to have that negotiation with more myself money. at 7 a.m. every morning when my alarm goes off. <laughs> oh, and my so general well. negotiation is: you can have another 10 minutes, and then you have to get up. <laughs> oh yeah, that negotiation. Oh. <laughs> um, so, as ever, if you've enjoyed the show, come tell us because we love to hear that. You can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Instagram, Facebook, all the socials we're there we love to talk to you come talk to us individually too um you know we like that you can tell us that we're your favorite we won't tell the others it's okay you can find me on twitter at harriet minter nat at nat d campbell and emma at emma sexton and we'll be here again next week same time same place with the badass women's out on talk radio Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.